Right, so um, outside of orchards, I've got three kids, they're quite close together in age, um, so it's quite sort of crazy at home, but they are a wonderful gift um, to us. And last summer, one of my kids became absolutely obsessed, and I mean like really, really obsessed, <laughs> with the cartoon Superbooks. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. Some of you may have done, some of you may not have done. But those of you who haven't, they are basically um, cartoon series that tell, that tell stories of the Bible. Um, albeit or imperfectly, they cover a kind of real breadth of scripture. And this particular child spent the whole summer um, acting out stories from the Bible again and again and again. And it was a real grace gift to our family. Like at no point had I sat down and said, and you will watch this and nothing else. But that's just kind of what happened for a season in our house. But there are also quite a few downsides to this. And um, I'll give you one example. I, it was the end of the summer, and we'd got to the, to the stage where my kids just kind of needed to see other people. And I walked into the room, and I was walking into a sibling fight. And I heard this particular child say, oh, yeah, well, you may well come with sword and spear. <laughs> but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, smack. <laughs> I'm just, uh, as I'm sort of stepping into referee, I'm thinking, it is awesome, it's awesome that you are learning scripture, but <laughs> you've totally missed the point, <laughs> totally missed the point, because they were, you know, they had their own goals, I don't know what it was, it was probably to have a toy or something, I don't know. And they believed that their sibling, their brother or sister, was the barrier to that goal. And they believed that the way to win that argument, the trump card, was to use scripture to win. <laughs> and it's silly, but if I'm really honest, I think I could probably do the same thing sometimes. I think probably, if we're really honest, then sometimes we can do that exact same thing we can believe lies about where the arena for the fight is and we can believe lies about who it is that we are really fighting and and how it is that we fight and so that's what I've loosely called this talk this morning who we fight and how we fight because I believe there's a there's a battle to building the church and also to building relationships within the church um, but but the Father, he loves us. He's given us everything we need. And we heard a really powerful story, a testimony about that earlier. He's given us everything we need to overcome in him. But I want to say up front that I'm not bringing this message because I've heard that there's issues in the church that I want to, to, want to kind of preach into at all. So if that's in anyone's minds, I just want to dispel that now. I have heard nothing but wonderful things about Hope Church, actually, about um, the community here, about some of the things you're doing in the local community. I have absolutely loved just the um, the welcome since I've come here this morning. So I'm not preaching from that perspective. 
but I've been praying for you guys in the week and I feel like there is something that God wants to do um, around building relationships to an even deeper extent, something around an, in an increase in joy in relationships and that there will be real fruit in the church, even more fruit in the church um, as that happens. So I'm going to be in um, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. If you want to swipe there or turn there, I think it will come up on the screen. This is a really familiar passage to, to, to many of us. And when we come to really familiar passages, we can do a couple of things. Um, I think we can either switch off or we can sort of slot back into our, in our minds to our last reflections on that same passage. And can I encourage us not to do that, actually? Um, I, I'm, I'm praying for fresh revelation for you, for me. Um, as we look again at this scripture, I am praying that we really feast on it um, because I think God has just some wonderful things that he wants to do um, in Hope Church this morning and I'm really excited actually. So I'm going to read it and then I'm going to um, I'm going to pray. Finally, I'm in the NIV just to be clear. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted, with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be, uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that's Paul, that um, whenever I speak, words may be given um, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Yeah. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you that you came for a bride, you came for a people. I thank you for your love for this church. And I just say, have your way amongst us this morning. I pray for fresh revelation of who you are, I pray for um, just fresh joy 
in relationships in this church family. I just pray your blessing over the church, that there will be a building of this church. Even as I, uh, I, as I preach, I pray that it would be your words and that you would minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So I'm going to look at the arena for the fight. Um, which is not my home. I'm going to look at who is it that we are fighting and how do we fight them? What's our posture and what's um, the what's some of the armor that God's given us? And then we're going to respond together. So the arena for the fight. To look at this, I think this is one of those passages, I don't know about you, but I've heard um, in all sorts of different contexts again and again and again, pray on the armor before you go in, that, that, that kind of a thing. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, I want us to look at it um, in the context that it appears um, in the scripture. So both within the book of Ephesians, but also within the whole drama of scripture. <clears throat> So if you're, um, go with me for a moment, I'm going to zoom out and look at it, like whistle-stop tour of the whole drama of scripture, and then we'll kind of look at it within Ephesians. Ready? Okay. So creation, God creates man and woman in his image, in perfect relationship with him, perfect relationship with one another, full Men and women walk away from God. Sin enters the world and there's a separation between us and him. There's a separation between people groups and oppression comes in and sin comes in and pain comes in and division and disunity and brokenness in in our relationships. And then there's this kind of going towards him and coming away when people are trying again and again to fix the divide by themselves. We never can do it in our own strength. And we see then through the judges and through the kings and through the priests and through the prophets, creation is groaning until this moment where God himself enters his creation. to fix the divide. And he does what none of us could ever do. He dies in our place and he makes us a a way for us to be in perfect relationship with him and perfect relationship with one another. The dividing wall has been broken down. And when he dies and rises again, his Holy Spirit fills his people Um, And we join in the ministry of reconciliation with him. No longer any divides. Um, And and he came for a bride. He came for a people. We join with him in his ministry of reconciliation. And it's worked out where? Within the church. Because the local church is the hope for the world. Zooming back in then to the book of Ephesians, um, we see themes, lots of themes throughout throughout the book of of Ephesians. I'll pick a few. So we see that Christ reconciled all of creation to himself and to God by by faith um, alone through grace. So we can't um, get on our high horses about it. Christ united all people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. 
you see the kind of outworking of that in the second half of Ephesians. What does that look like then? Unity in the home and unity in the workplace. Um, and then we come to this, um, this um, passage in Ephesians 6, and it says, and finally, and we get all of the kind of the armor of God stuff, and that is intrinsically linked to his purposes and his plans to build his church. And so there's this anticipation that there's a battle to building the church. There's, and sometimes there can be battles in building relationships in the church. I don't know if you've noticed. But the Father who loves us has given us everything we need to overcome in him. In terms of the, the battle to build the church, I bet there's lots of examples of that that you would have seen um, if I were to ask you in the room. I'm going to share um, one just thing I've been musing on over the last few weeks. Um, about a month ago, I had a conversation with, um, with an orchard hat on with one of the biggest Christian funders in the UK. I want us to keep that in, that in mind because it's important, actually, this story. One of the biggest Christian funders in the UK. And it was, you know, it's a lovely conversation. I want to kind of really honor them. Um, uh, and that it was a, you know, it's a very supportive conversation. But if I were to distill it down, it kind of went like this. Um, we love what you do in working with, uh, with women who've experienced sexual exploitation. We love the counseling. We love the safe housing. What we don't love is the fact that all your staff are Christian. And we don't love the fact that you want to create bridges for women um, to explore a relationship with Jesus for themselves or to connect into um, a local church if they choose. But if you were to stop doing those things, <laughs> then we feel you would be a really strong fit for our funding. <laughs> and I could see in that moment... I could see it, how I could word things on the phone in a very particular way. And I could see how I could tweak a few bits of wording in some documents and, um, and then be able to access some, some funding. And, you know, we have staff and we've got, you know, who have families and all of those things. But I could also see that if we were to do that, then very subtly at first, but then very significantly after a while, we would drift away from it being about the church. But he came for a bride, he came for a people. The local church is the hope for the world. And if we were to do that, then we would lose the very heartbeat of what we, we set up to do in the first place. And so we walked away um, and I say that without, without pride because we're not always going to get that right. Um, I pray that God intervenes um, um, if, we, if we're about to get it wrong. Um, and I know that there's grace and kindness if we do get it wrong. But there's a battle for, um, for the church and for the building of the church. And there's a battle within relationships within the church. So who is it that we, um, that we fight? We read that um, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And similarly, I was reading in, in 1 Peter this week that verse about the enemy prowling around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. And that can seem a bit overwhelming. Um, we know there is an enemy opposed to building the church and to building relationships within the church. But rather than being overwhelmed by that, my prayer is that in fact, instead we're overwhelmed by the one who has victory over that, who is, um, who is heart seated far above, we read earlier in Ephesians, all rule and authority and power, um, all dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And that we know that we, if we call ourselves, if we're Christian here this morning, if we know Jesus, we've been raised up with Christ and we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. And yet we can easily believe, we can easily believe that our enemy is flesh and blood, that our enemy is the, the person who's kind of grating on us a little bit, <laughs> you know, um, is against that, that our enemy is the brother and sister in the church because that's often where the battle plays out. Not always, but it can, it can be. And, and we need to remind ourselves, I need to remind myself again and again that our brother and sister is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And he will cause us to doubt who we are in Christ, our position in him, our reconciliation to God, and they'll cause us to doubt who our brother and sister is in their new creation identity, sowing disunity. So how do we fight then? So look a bit at our posture as we, as we fight and some of those um, weapons that we read in this passage. Because he's given us everything we need, right? So our posture. It struck me when I, when I was meditating on, on this passage, how many times it uses the word stand. Have you noticed? Stand, stand firm, withstand. And it's kind of odd if you think about a battle, because I don't know about you, but if I were to write a battle scene and describe a battle scene, I wouldn't use the word stand very much, actually. I might use words like, fight, advance, charge, or if it's not playing out very well, then, you know, flee, retreat, run, flight. And, and if you think about a battle, if someone's standing in the middle, I'd be thinking, what are they doing? You don't stand in a battle, you're gonna get hurt. You're not really pr protected if you're just standing there in the middle of the battle, and you're certainly not helping anyone. You know, you're not really helping anyone who's on your side if you're just standing in a battle. But I think, as the more I thought about it, I, th I think that's because I think about battles in terms of flesh and blood battles. And I, and I think about battles often as with a flesh and blood type enemy. But this is a radically different kind of battle. And so we need a different kind of posture as we stand in it. 
our natural reaction, we, we hear it a lot, don't we, fight or, or flight, our natural reaction to relational conflict and even awkwardness, you know, it doesn't have to be major, just kind of misunderstanding, miscommunication, um, or, or hurt or offense. Our natural reaction often is to fight or to or, or flight or running away. Now, in a church context, I'm I'm you know this is my first time visiting Hope Church, but my, I I doubt that fight whatever is is playing out in actual physical fighting. I've not seen that in my um, in my church. I'm not saying that hasn't happened throughout the history of the church. I think if it does happen, it's probably quite rare. And but it might, but fighting might happen with words, you know, the, or, or criticism, or you know, the email, or um, and it might happen probably more commonly through kind of inner judgments inner criticism sometimes we can fight that way I know that you know if, if I'm not careful I can I can I can do that and sometimes I've had the Holy Spirit say to me put down your weapons because I've gone into a kind of like protection mode in, in my mind actually there's a call to put down your weapons and flight it's probably not that there are people actually physically legging it out the door I'm not saying that's never happened through the history of the church, but I don't normally see that. It's quite rare that you see someone actually kind of, you know, panicked running away. But it might be that there's that kind of subtle withdrawal from a person or from a situation. It, because it's uncomfortable. It might be that maybe we've disengaged it might be that maybe we numb ourselves um, in all sorts of different ways, but even in busyness, even in ministry. You know, I'm, I'm too busy in ministry to kind of, I'm very, very, very busy to kind of deal with that sort of uncomfortable relationship over here. Um, you know, I'm saying things that I can be susceptible to here. I think this is kind of for, for, for all of us. I think flight can look a little bit like that. Often it's quite, it's quite subtle. And in that context, in that context, to simply stand and not to fight, you know, with our, with our words or our judgment or whatever it is, and not to hide in our safe places of, of busyness or um, the ways that we can numb 